0: or simply download the CCCIV app. You'll find the direct link to the app at www.ccciv.org forward slash get the app. Or when you text CCCIV app to 77977.
1: What a great day it is. And I know it's a great day because it is a day that the Lord has made. I think that uh, as we... Look at the world going on around us. Sometimes we ask, Where is God in all of this? And yet uh, we see his fingerprints everywhere. God is doing so much right now. And I know he's doing something in your hearts too. Um, I know that God never sleeps, I know he never slumbers. I know He's always mindful of us. So I want to encourage you today uh, as we get into God's Word to just continue to get into God's Word. God's Word is going to feed you the truth. Uh, Many people are listening to the media. Whatever your favorite news station is, I can assure you uh, it's probably a downer. Uh, So get into God's Word. He is still on the throne. He is still King. His Word declares that. We bow our knee to Him in this life, understanding that his throne is above all thrones and that he made a promise he's coming back for his people one day. So, as we begin in Romans 2, I know that, uh, you know, the COVID-19 situation certainly has changed things at this church. I'd rather be preaching to a crowd of people than you in your living room. But I know that day is going to come once again where you're hearing God's Word in this place where we're singing together, praying together. I have absolute confidence in that. We've been praying that way, and those days are ahead. One of the things I'm trying to get used to in this COVID-19 world is the whole idea of wearing masks. I mean, everybody's got masks now. Who would have ever thought we would... Uh, get accustomed to that or kind of get used to it as, as something being normal in our society. And, and yet, here we are, we're wearing masks everywhere. And I think today we would say it's not the day of designer clothes, it's the day of designer masks. I have seen so many cool masks lately. In fact, somebody in our church gave me a Philadelphia Eagles mask. And uh, our quilting ministry has just continued to uh, make mass for different people, and uh, I appreciate that about them. But one of the things in mass I just don 't always know who people are I mean sometimes i 'm coming in the office, somebody 's driving by i don 't recognize their car they 're wearing a mask, they wave at me, and uh, i 'm like, "Who is that you know and then the other day, in the board of supervisors meeting, there I am. Uh, And a guy says hi to me. He says, hey, Pastor Walter, how you doing? And I said, I'm doing great. How are you? And by the way, who are you? Because masks just don't protect us at a time like this. Um, They also will disguise uh, who we are oftentimes. And As we continue to go through everyday life, we're continuing to wear these masks. And sometimes we don't always recognize people. And that's actually who Paul is speaking of in Romans chapter 2. As we get into chapter 2, he's speaking to religious people that would be hiding behind the mask of religion. Uh, He has... Uh, addressed people in this chapter that would be uh, religious people. They have God's word, they have God's law, but they would have no relationship with God. And some would use the word hypocrite. After reading chapter 2, you would say, man, that sounds a lot like a hypocrite. And actually, it is a hypocrite he's addressing in chapter 2. And by the way, that word hypocrite, uh, in the New Testament, it's only used in the Gospels. And then to narrow it down even further, it is only used by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As many of you know, Jesus was a carpenter. That's what the Bible tells us in, uh, chapter, in Mark chapter 6, verses 2 to 3. It says, And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done with his hands? Right? He's healing people now. Uh, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. I'm going somewhere with this, so just hang with me for a moment. So the Bible tells us that Jesus was a a carpenter. And that that Greek word is tekton. It could either mean a woodworker or it could mean a stonemason. And so the question is, where would Jesus have worked in that day if he was a carpenter? Well, we know that the closest city to Nazareth where he grew up was a place called Sephorus or Zippori, uh, would be the Hebrew way of pronouncing that. But there's a place called Sephorus and we visit that. And it was about three miles from where Jesus grew up. And so it was the only place that was developing at the time where carpenters can stay at work. So Jesus would have walked there the three miles journey he would have worked in that uh, city of Sephorus and also in Sephorus and what it's noted for is a big theater that city had 4000 people it could seat and so in the day of Jesus tons of people would go to this theater and uh, they would find entertainment there and so Jesus would have been familiar with the word that he uses for hypocrite. It's hupocritus. Hypocrites is where we get our English word hypocrite from. And what it meant was those who were on the stage that were acting, such as Sephora, and even though Jesus didn't attend the theater, probably not, he would have been familiar with that word, somebody on the stage that was wearing a mask and pretending to be somebody that they weren't. He would say they were a hupocrites, Crites That's what a stage actor was. And so in the Gospels, when Jesus uses the word Hypocrites, where we get our English word hypocrite from, he uses it of the religious leaders, those guys who were going around through Israel and they would wear their long robes and they would be the religious people in front of the people. And he says, You hypocrites. And the reason he says that is because they were acting. They were they they, they had the religious garb on but they had no real inward change in their heart and they had no love for the people they they did not know really what it meant to love their neighbor and so jesus comes along with these new teachings and he sees the religious leaders and he was trying to hold the people up to a standard that they couldn't even be held they couldn't hold to themselves and so jesus says you hypocrites you hypocrites, you hypocrites. He, he even, on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, when you guys are praying, don't pray as the hypocrites do, Hupocritus, that just want to be seen in front of men praying. He said, when when you fast, don't be as the hypocrites, another religious activity that they were involved in, don't be as those who want people to know that they're fasting, they, they wore the mask. They were wearing a mask in front of people. He said, when you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Because he said there were those that would give. He said, don't give as the hypocrites do. So three important religious activities, right? Praying, giving, fasting. They were doing it just to be seen, but their inward heart was never changed. And so, so Jesus addresses that. And so Paul's addressing that here in Romans chapter 2. And even though he's dealing with the religious Jews of that day, it's actually applicable to us today who are a part of the church, who are a part of what the world would say is religion. And some of us can fall into that. In fact, many Christians I would put before you, they could be part of a religion. They could be part of Christianity. And yet Jesus would say, that, that look, you're just wearing a mask. And I think the surveys show that. Uh, the surveys today would show that Christians are, they're more involved in charity than, than non-Christians. They would say that, that Christians, the surveys show, that they're more involved in justice for others than non-Christians are. They would say that they, uh, Christians, the surveys say, that, that are more involved in helping the hurting than those who are non Christians. But the surveys always also say that, that Christians are just as likely to be involved in pornography. Christians are just as involved in lying. They would lie in a given situation if it meant getting out of it. A Christian is just as likely as a non Christian to lie in certain situations. A Christian is just as likely as a non uh, Christian as as a non-Christian to steal something if the opportunity was given. A Christian is just as likely to slander somebody as a non-Christian. A Christian is just as likely to be arrogant as the non-Christian. And so we see what surveys reveal. And what I want to put to you this morning, before we dive into this chapter, I want to put before you, where are you at in your Christianity? Have you based it just on religion? Just by being a part of Christ Community Church, just being a part of giving, just being a part of the activities that we're doing right now. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, it says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Paul's writing to a church in 2 Corinthians 13. Um, Examine yourselves, examine your heart to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test? If there's been no inward change, friends, you're in trouble. Now leading up to chapter 2, Paul, as we talked about in the introduction to Romans, uh, lays a foundation for um, justification. In other words, being not guilty, our sins being forgiven, justified before God. All right, And he's going to ride that doctrine. He's going to unfold that doctrine. When we get into chapter 3, about verse 21, he's going to begin that. But to lay the groundwork for justification, he wants people to understand that you're a sinner. Now, Pastor Chris preached uh, two weeks ago. He, he started in, in verses 18 to the end of the chapter. And in that, that passage of Scripture, Paul was condemning the pagan. He was condemning the atheists. He was condemning those who say there's no God and just want to worship the created things rather than the creator. And so so he lays that foundation with the pagan, those who are not religious or would proclaim to be a part of a religion. But then now moving into chapter 2, and you see it begins with therefore, he's connecting it. He's going to now call the religious people to the carpet because he's anticipating their response. Paul, that's right. Those pagans are big-time sinners. Those pagans are absolutely depraved in all of this and, and go on and on and on. Get them, Paul. It's what a religious spirit does. It's not, Lord, save them. It's, Lord... You know, get them. And so Paul anticipates this, and now he's going to move in to those who would pass judgment on others because of their religion without looking at their inward hearts. Now he's speaking again to the religious Jews of his day in this context who believe that they stand right before God based on them being God's chosen people, based on them being given the word of God right? You got the Word of God today. That's what we told you to turn to. You and I have access to the Word of God. We are privileged people today. But the Jews said, man, we're okay just because of who we are. We're okay because our ethnicity. We're okay because we're a part of God's religious movement here on earth. So what I want you to see in this passage as we begin is that it's easy to grab a hold of religion without having a relationship with God. That's very important. Religion without a relationship with God is only going to lead to judgment. And that's what he's talking about in the first four verses of this chapter too. He's talking about it. He's talking about those people who would have the word of God but not apply it in their own lives, not live it out. They're unregenerate people, but they just got a religious move going on or a religious rhythm going on in their life. And that's who he's talking about. And Why does this happen with religious people? Well, I think it's right there in the the passage itself. First of all, religion can blind a person to their own sinful condition. Uh, religion can blind a person to their own sinful condition. So look at these verses now. Take these to heart, friends, as we read them. I don't want you to be thinking about anybody else. I want you to think about me because when I studied this passage. I wanted to get on my knees and repent of some of the religious spirit I had in the past. And I had to say, Lord, I want your heart. I don't want a spirit of religion. And so in verses 1 to 2, therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that, ju- that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. In other words, he's saying, look, you're judging others. Obviously, you know the standard or you would not have something to judge them by. So obviously, you know the standard. You know what God's word says, but you're judging others and you're practicing the same thing. And that's what religion will do. It'll blind a person to their own sinful condition and their need for a savior. In doing so, you condemn yourself. This is where religion can be so deceptive. For instance, maybe you come to church when the building's open, we're singing the same songs together. We're hearing the same word together. We're saying prayers together. We're lifting up prayer requests. We're doing life together as our motto. And that could be deceiving if you've never, ever, ever trusted Jesus as your Savior, and you trusted a church You trusted good things that you were doing, religious type things, and yet we could be the very hypocrites because we're out there judging the world. One of the things I saw in the news, uh, you know, with this whole COVID-19 thing, because I try and stay on it, but then there's times I've got to just shut the news off and say, man, I want to hear from you, God. I don't need this right now. Everyone's a talking head, and everyone's an armchair quarterback, and everyone's got an opinion and everything else. And I see this judging going. Back. Well, one of the governors, he put in his state, I think it was Illinois, an interstate travel ban. So if you lived in Illinois, you couldn't travel from one state to another. You had to stay within that state. And I saw a news conference where he's, being, uh, field, he's fielding questions from reporters. One of the reporters said to him, quote, I was given information that your wife traveled to Florida. Why is it different for her than everybody else? And his response was, you know, in the past when it came to politics, they used to leave family out. In other words, he was stopped in his tracks because the very thing he was putting in place and expecting everybody else to live up by his own family was violating it, not only his own family, but his own wife and he never did give the answer. See, we can be like that too. And so that could be Very damaging. We could be guilty of the same kind of thing. Matthew chapter 7, verse 3, Sermon on the Mount. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Man, sometimes I think I need a lumberjack to chop down the the logs in my eye. So, religion can blind a person to their own sinful condition, but religion can blind a person to their own standing with God. And this is what I believe he's getting at in verses three to four. He says, do you suppose, O oh man, you judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? People who are blinded by religion or under the false security that they're okay with God when, and think they got a right standing with God and they're blinded by that standing with God, because judgment has not fallen yet. And so rather than seeing God's grace, rather than seeing his patience in our lives designed to lead us to repentance, they're actually using that as a license to think that they're okay with God, and they don't need to change their their life. It blinds us to that standing. Maybe judgment hasn't hit you yet. Maybe you've not experienced the the tragic judgment of God yet, but that does not necessarily mean that God has endorsed your life. We could be misreading that wholly and, and rather than seeing the kindness of God and the forbearance of God, the riches of his kindness that are designed to lead us to repentance, our heart only grows harder. And I think that's what it leads to when religion can blind a person to their own danger of God's judgment. Look at verse 5. It says, but because of your hard, impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Do you see that? That that rather than this patience and forbearance that God has given us to repent, they're actually storing up uh, more wrath on that day of judgment. So so, uh, take the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 13. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. Now, I want to move second major point because we've kind of cut our messages down. We're, we're, we're going to cover these first 16 verses um, and we're going to move through this. So hang with me, okay? God shows no favoritism in judgment. We need to understand that. That as the Jewish people thought that they had this special favor with God when it came to his judgment, they were totally mistaken. And that's why you look at verse 11 there. It says, for God shows no partiality. God shows no partiality. The reason is because he judges with his righteousness. It is the standard of his judgment. The word for partial in verse uh, 11 is the Greek word prosopolemptis, and it means literally to receive a face, meaning to give consideration to person because of who he is. So you give a face to somebody, you know who you are, and that skews your judgment, but he says no, none of that with God. It doesn't matter who you are. And so the woman with the scales, um, you know that statue of our lady of justice, she's got the scales and she's blindfolded. And yet we look at our judges today and some of them aren't making accurate judgments. You're sort of like, where did that come from and all this? But God is absolutely perfect in his justice. Nobody gets favoritism. None of us. Okay? So please, when, when, when you stand before the Lord... Don't say, you know, and he says, why shouldn't I judge you? Don't ever, ever say, because I belong to Christ Community Church. What you want to say is, man, on this day, I surrendered my life to Christ in faith, and he cleansed me of my sins, and every work that I've done from that point on is for his glory. Make sure you're there today, friends. So we see this, God judges us by what we do, not what we say. He judges us by what we do, not what we say. Or if you want to put another way, profession without practice does not impress God. Profession without practice does not impress God. So in Romans um, uh, chapter 2, we see in verse 6, he will render to each one according to his works. Notice that. Bible says he's going to render to each one according to his works. Okay, so you've got works in your life. I've got works in my life. And he's going to talk about those who are redeemed and those who are unredeemed. Those who are, both are part of the movement, both are part of the church, but there's some works that indicate that, man, that person's there with God, and the Lord smiles on that, and there's others, that their works are totally self-seeking. So he first talks about those um, works Now, I want you to understand now, Paul is not switching his doctrine here. He's not jumping back and forth and saying, well, maybe I see it this way now and before I saw it this way. It's still justification by faith. And so when he says he renders to each one by his works, your works are an indication of who you are. It's like the, the good tree and the bad tree Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 7, a good tree bears good fruit. Bad tree bears bad fruit. The fruit is external. How do you know a tree is bad? Because of the fruit it bears. And so so that's what we're seeing here as far as works. And so uh, the works are going to unmask them. The works are going to un- Oh, that's another uh, term that we're seeing a lot of in the news, unmask. Well, the works are going to unmask them. Um, notice the works of the saved. They're described in verse 7. He says... Um, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. Now, understand the glory it's speaking of there is the glory from God. It's not the glory from man. See, people live their life today and they're looking for glory from men. But but the saved are looking for glory from God they're in the same vein as our Lord and Savior when God said this is my son in whom I am well pleased at the baptism of Jesus that that these are 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 people that would bring glory to the Lord they're not honor from men not a praise from men they are seeking to please the Lord the kind of works that a believer does friends are those that are going to impress God and that's in the closet, man. There's some things you can't help but do in public, man, but there are things that we don't, we just don't do it for for men. We want glory from God. We want him to say, man, that's my son. That's my daughter in whom I'm well pleased.
0: Thanks for joining us today for Love Live Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley.